0: what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I've got Chris McShane with us. Welcome to the island, Chris. Thanks for having me. Chris, as you probably well know, guests on Max's Island get an opportunity to tell that story that, of that time in their life when they did something for themselves, when they made a decision that sort of changed it all for them, or they just thought this was the time to do something I've always wanted to do. Have you got that time in your life when that happened to you?
1: yeah most definitely um, as you can probably hear, I'm not of the Aussie tongue so it was um, a December a December morning in um, Newcastle England it was cold it was wet, it was miserable. I'd previously been to Perth and I had an email from a um, from a company asking if I'd be willing to interview for a rollover here. And why had you been to Perth before? Uh, I was, I'd been over here playing cricket actually. I had three seasons over here, three six month um, stints, playing um, at three different cricket clubs from the age of 19 to 22, 23.
0: And that was always one of your passions?
1: Always one of my passions, yeah. I, um, I skipped going to university to pursue a cricket career, which um, let's say failed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it allowed me to travel the world and um, Perth was one of them places that I, uh, that I came to. So at what age were you? 27, right. um, so pretty late in, in, in life to make a, a pretty bold, life-changing move. Um, it moved pretty quickly. I fortunately was renting from um, from my parents, actually, so there wasn't really any, any baggage or anything else that was left behind. And fortunately, that was the case because it, it was a pretty much of a whirlwind from the middle of December to early March when I actually landed in Perth from getting that email to um to coming over. So your accommodation was pretty fluid, that was easy to get out of no relationships or nah, anything like that? Nah, fortunately there wasn't being a cricket drifter probably helps that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit actually a little bit. I'd not long been out of a relationship actually and I was at a time in my life where I was in a very, very stable, secure job, which I absolutely loved. Probably would still be there now if it wasn't for the the chance to move to Perth. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, other than family and friends, there wasn't really any ties that was keeping me there. We've had a few
0: guests on Max's Island who have done the reverse. Yeah. Gone overseas, gone and chased their career in, you know, the, the glitz and glamour of New York or other major cities around the world. I guess it was good that you were familiar with Perth, but very much from Newcastle, Northern England there, to sunny Perth, it's a long way away from home.
1: It's a very long way, and it was one of them things where I first landed in Perth when I was 19. i just turned 19, didn't know anyone here, and looking back, quite a quite a scary thing I think that I did. I didn't really think about it at the time. I was a bit young, a bit naive, wanted to travel the world, and, as soon as I landed in Perth, I just fell in love with the place. It was um, the culture, the climate, the lifestyle. And the moment I spoke to my mum after the first time I landed, I told her that I would live here eventually. And she knows how uh, how strong-willed and minded I am. So it wasn't a shock when I, when I told her that I'd been accepted for a role and I was actually moving over here. She was still a bit upset but it wasn't too much of a shock.
0: So you said just strong-willed but are you impulsive as well?
1: Um, so the reason I ask
0: that because you know one thing to have, be presented with an opportunity, but another thing to intuitively
1: say, oh wow, this is, you know, I'll just do it. It you was it was something I looked into. I think, like I say, I was at a time in my life where I was I was pretty comfortable in the job I was in. Things were going well in my life. There wasn't really anything amiss. To be completely honest, I certainly wasn't running away from anything back home. But I think it was a time where. It was either, it was now or never. I think if I'd left it any later, certainly with visa regulations, it would have been a bit of a struggle to to have made the move. But a move to Australia, and Perth especially, was always something that I'd had in the back of my mind. Something that I'd briefly looked into. Wasn't sure how viable it would have been to be able to um, be offered a visa and sponsorship and, and whatnot, but, um, Yeah, it was a, it it, it came at a right moment. And I think there is times in your life where things, all the stars align. um, And this certainly was one of them. Got a couple of questions. The
0: first thing is, how long did it take from getting that email to landing in Perth? And then secondly, I'm assuming you didn't know too many people here, even though you've been here a few times, but what was the first six weeks like?
1: So it was, it was, I think it was the 14th or 15th of December, where when I got the email. And as I say, I mean look, the north of England in winter, um, it's it's a pretty bleak place. The sun rises at 8:30 in the morning and it sets at 3:30 in the afternoon. So you go to work in the dark, you leave work and it's dark. So apart from the Christ the Christmas festivities, it's um, yeah, it's it, it is it is pretty bleak. So. It was at a time where I woke up, and I remember getting the email. um, I went through three interviews in the space of about two weeks. I got offered the job, I think it was the 4th of January. Uh, With visa regulations and stuff, you've got to get references from the past five years um, as I wasn't degree qualified because obviously I'd made the decision to pursue a a life trying to play cricket. So I got my references. uh, The visa got submitted, I want to say probably the 20th of January. Got told by the visa agent it would take three to six months.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Um,
1: to get the visa approved, and I'll never forget this. It was, it was the, I think it was the first or second of February, and it was a Sunday. And I'd been out in Newcastle for a friend's birthday, so I was a little bit, a little bit worse for wear the next day. And I got an email, and my visa had been approved in twelve days. So i I, I hadn't prepared myself for that much of a quick turnaround. I was expecting three to six months spend a bit more time with family and friends. And yeah, so I got that email and I was, I was mixed with emotions. Um, so that was, I say, it was around the 1st or 2nd of February. And then I handed my notes on the next day and I flew to Australia on the 2nd of March and landed on the 3rd of March. So it was probably around about, yeah, two and a half, three months.
0: Very quick. And your first six weeks here? First six weeks, How'd that play
1: out? I was very fortunate. I mean, the three seasons I had here, I played for three different cricket clubs. So I'd made made some really good friends and some friends that had been to England to play cricket with me at my club for six months and friends that I kept in touch with. So the first six weeks, it was just like settling back into Perth life, which was really nice. I was actually living with a um, a really good friend of mine um, and his partner which softened the blow from that as well and i just jumped straight into work um and it was a uh, it, it, it was really interesting it was the end of summer and the first six weeks were were great it was like stepping back into a a, a different like my second life if that made sense everyone wanted was it was in touch wanted to go for a beer and wanted to catch up so it was um it was a it was a good welcome home i'd say yeah and did the Career change live up to the
0: expectations.
1: In regards to moving to Australia, yeah, I was still doing recruitment in England. I was recruiting um, foster carers and um, working with social workers and foster children, which was absolutely amazing. It was um, food for the soul. It was it was really really rewarding. I had to take a massive step back to come over here and start my career again, essentially, but. Hundred percent. I was. It was. It was the best decision I've ever made. I'd say.
0: Perhaps if we can go just back one step too. The you said you received an email. Obviously,
1: mm.
0: where did that come from? You know, was that you know, you know, generally those sorts of things? Are people that know somebody else and reach out? Is that what happened?
1: Yeah, very much so. So as I said previously, I'd 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 briefly looked into a potential move to Australia. I'd sort of to the to the people I'd played cricket with more of the. Guys in business, I sort of said, "Look, keep me in mind if you hear of anything." And sure enough, it was a it was a chap I played cricket with, uh, the last club I was at, uh, who sent my CV on to someone who knew someone, and then yeah, that's how that email came out. It just came out of the blue, but it was through just the uh, networking. Perth, Perth people, Perth. Perth is how Perth. small it is, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was someone who knew someone who knew someone, and um, yeah, I was I was afforded the opportunity to come initially on a. Um, Sponsored work visa, and then yeah, have the ability to progress to permanent residency and citizenship, which um, which I now hold, which is fantastic.
0: And did you stay with that company for long?
1: No, I didn't. It's it actually quite a funny story. So I got I got here, and the company I was with, the division I was in, um, six weeks after I got here, got bought out by another company, and there was there was the potential opportunity that my visa wouldn't get taken over to the new company so i'd been here for six weeks made a pretty good start um and then found out that i could be basically packed off and shipped Same off home time. if i couldn't find another company that would take the visa on or if this company didn't but fortunately enough that they did so yeah i was with i was with the company that brought me over for about eight weeks <laughs> until i then moved on to it, um and the company that bought the division so that was a pretty scary time because I thought geez, I'm probably I could be going home here and you stayed in that in that sector in the um, area
0: for the whole time?
1: nah so I was I was looking at so the, the company that brought me over there wanted me to replicate I suppose what we were doing um, with the fostering agency I worked for in England unfortunately the foster care sector in in WA and from what I see across Australia isn't set up to be able to cope with the demand that they have in the UK, um, so it was a bit of a um, it was a bit of a no go, pretty much. But then I moved into sort of recruitment of disability support workers and mental health workers, stuff I've done before, and then six years ago now moved into more of a corporate role in in accounting and finance.
0: Now, Chris, I know you through one of your cricket clubs that you've played for, in fact, the one that you currently played for and Correct. have done for for some time. I think you understated your value as a cricketer and perhaps, you know, it, we all have our expectations about what we could have been and should have been and all of those things but we had a guest on this, on Max's Island a little while ago now DB and we talked in particular in his story about a particular grand final where he made probably, and I've seen a bit of cricket i played a lot of cricket and seen a lot of cricket he played probably one of the made one of the best hundreds I've ever, ever seen, just from the point of view of carrying a team on his back. There was one partnership, though. There was another bloke at the other end.
1: Yeah, there was. Someone
0: who looked a bit like you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was. Um, I'm
0: interested to, having talked to, to DB about his experience on that day, and he does reflect on a couple of partnerships, and he did make reference to you in, in, in the podcast. Yeah, but I'd be interested that. to know your thoughts about how you remembered that day.
1: Yeah, I did, I did listen to that one. DB, just just a great man. Well, I, I came to the Wicket, and we, we managed to make a decent enough partnership. Very much a very much, uh, lower order, batsman. I probably wouldn't call myself an all-rounder, but I can hold a stick. And yeah, came came to the came to the the crease. I think we were 64, uh, six for 70, batting first in the grand final. And DB was at the end. And I just I came out and I said, look, let's just have a bit of fun, mate. Let's just see where we're at. You can bat, I can hold a stick. Let's just see what we can do. And we ended up putting on, I think it was 83, 84, and got us to a point where we made I think 170 or 180. But it was just, it was just such a like we both trusted each other. And I think that's a big thing in um in any in, in any team sport is that trust and he knew that I was I was gonna pardon the pun, go 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 into bathroom. <laughs> um and he's genuinely one of the most talented cricketers that I've probably played with. So we were out there, we were having a bit of fun, in between overs, talking rubbish, not really talking about the game going in blocks of ten, we had a game plan, um and yeah, ended up getting getting a score which allowed us to to eventually win the game. So that will I mean we've both played a lot of cricket and I, as I say, I heard that um the podcast with him and I echo what he said. That'll go down as um yeah, it's one of the one of the better better partnerships I've been I've been a part of.
0: It's interesting that you made reference to the word trust, so you didn't, you didn't make reference to, oh, you batted well, or he batted well that day, or you know they bowled poorly, or they fielded whatever. It was all about your mental state. He, I think, the way I recall, he referred to that as well, yeah. and he referred to the, the importance of having a teammate at the other end, and it's, as you say, with, with sport, often it transcends skill and it is about taking advantage of the moment with all the other t- personal attributes that you have. So the fact that you and him were able to look each other in the eye and, and trust each other for a couple of hours, which was, you know, that was the thing, to just bat for a couple of hours, and then at the end of it, all of a sudden, the runs will take care of themselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it's really interesting that you both come from that at the same, um, the same angle. Can we just have a quick reflection on that cricket career, because We often think about cricket careers of test cricketers and and shield cricketers and those playing county cricket. But there's a lot of guys that play suburban cricket that still travel across to England, come to Australia, go to other parts of the world to play cricket. I'd be interested in your experiences of of, of doing that as as a suburban cricketer playing in multiple countries.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it, at the time that I did it, it was a it was an opportunity to 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 come over. I mean, look, I was I was 19 when I first when I first travelled, and I was included in um, a few minor county squads and stuff like that. Um, so it was. I mean, look at the time, and as as an off-spinning lower order bat around that age group in the northeast, you had a guy called uh, Scott Bothwick, who was a leg spinner who went on to play for England. But from a from an age perspective, there wasn't there wasn't really anyone that was that was doing um, as well as either me or him. So there was always an opportunity for me to potentially come overseas, learn a bit more of my craft in, in, in different countries on different wickets, um, and go back and try and try and break away into a, a second team county squad or whatever it may be. But for me, coming over the initial part of it and, and look, the first year was definitely about that. The second year probably more so because there had been conversations and I think at the time we were playing Premier League I was playing Premier League cricket, first grade, so whacker first grade equivalent. Yes. Um similarly to the clubs over here when they get players that are contracted players playing for the likes of South Perth or whoever it may be, Bayesi, we would get players from Durham coming to play down with us, so fortunate enough to play with a few really, really good players, England internationals and against. So um being involved in that and not being out of place, at the time I was like, right, let's see where let's see where this can take me. Never in a million years did I think I'd be playing for England or anything like that. But I did think, let's see if I can forge something out of that. Because as I mentioned before, quite strong, strong-willed, minded, um, and like to work hard. So um, the first two years certainly was that. Um, I had a gap in between coming back over. I actually broke my hand playing cricket at the end of the season in England. So couldn't obviously come that year. And then the last time I came, that was probably just a bit more of a jolly, to be completely honest. Um, and an opportunity to come back to Australia and yeah, just enjoy myself. Chris, during your time in Perth,
0: has it all been smooth sailing? You know, it sounds like the coming here, getting the job, settling in was all pretty good. You know. How long has it been
1: now, and has it been smooth sailing? Um, well, it was March 2015, so just over seven years. I mean, not really. I think the first, the first six months were great, because that was the, I was used to doing 6 months stints here. Um, got a little bit, probably got a little bit homesick post that, because I'd always have an end date to go home. Ended up going home the Christmas of 2015, which was lovely, um, and then, unfortunately, nine months after that, um, my dad passed away. Um, was that sudden? Very sudden. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was only fifty-five. Wow. Um, he had a heart attack, um, unfortunately, and yeah, obviously had to go home for the funeral. Didn't really sink in. I think. I, I think I went home. It was all a bit of a, like I said, a bit of a whirlwind. Came back, and just slotted back into my life here. Obviously not used to seeing me dad on a daily basis. We Skype. We'd FaceTime every week, um, but it took a couple of months to. For that to really hit home, what 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 had happened, and I think it was obviously very it was very sad. I was very upset, but the emotions around that were also guilt and regret. Could I have spent a little bit more time at home? Would that have made a difference? Um, a lot of that stuff goes through your head, and that happening in eighteen months. In that really really made me think and reconsider the decision to be here.
0: When you went back for the funeral did, did you feel the guilt then or was it, did that come afterwards?
1: Um, I think afterwards, I think, I think the whole time I was back home was just, I was just in a state of shock. Just grieving. And even, even flying back here, it was, it was still just, I was just in a state of shock. And I think I, I got back early November and then I think it was, well, I don't know, it was New Year's Eve when it, it hit me like a ton of bricks because it was New Year's Eve and we'd chat, we'd all spend New Year's Eve together normally anyway. Um, and yeah, was, there was a whole, um, whole range of emotions, um, not just sadness and, and grief, but yeah, regret and guilt. That, that came over me. Um, Did you ever think about upping stumps, for a cricket yeah. phrase, and, and, and go back? Yeah, it, I mean, look, everything everything crossed my mind at that point in regards to, well, he was 55. I, I always had the conversation of about my granddad. So my granddad, um, my dad worked away a lot um, when when I was young, a little bit of Thatcher's Britain kind of thing. Um, and my granddad helped bring me up. That's my mom's dad. Um, he'd have been 78, I think, when I left, and it was always a conversation of, should I be home? What if my granddad passes away? he's still going he's, he's <laughs> yeah. 84 85 this year so yeah. yeah and obviously it wasn't it was unexpected that it was obviously me dad that, that passed away but it was it was pretty grounding in regards to where I was in my life and I think knowing the sacrifices that both my mum and dad made to get me here initially um, I know that this is where he'd want me to be Um the only regret I've got from it is the fact that he unfortunately never got to to visit and see the life that both him and my mum created for me now that was that was coming that was going to be five or six months after he passed so it was yeah it was it was it was a time in um, through this process and in this chapter of my life where it was I was really uncertain about myself and where I would end up but also very reflective about the decision that I've made. And I'm very fortunate and I'm very grateful to, to, to be where I am, but I was always, and it'll always be in the back of my mind, could I, had, could, could I have had an extra 12 or 18 months with him before he passed, and that's always gonna, that's always gonna niggle me, but it's, it's sacrifices, I suppose, that you've gotta make when you do wanna live on the other side of the world.
0: Yeah, has it changed the relationship with your mother and and other siblings? No,
1: not at all. It's, um, we're a really strong, closely knit family. Um, My mum and dad um, had actually separated, or had been separated. My mum was actually in Perth with with her partner, um, and they'd been here three days before we got the call from my brother about my dad. So their trip, unfortunately, had to get cut short, but yeah, we're a very, very close-knit family. And it was obviously a massive shock to everyone. Um, I think from my perspective, not being, around, not being around the aftermath of the grief around the family and traveling back to, to Perth post that, I think meant there was a bit of a delay in my grieving process, which then ultimately made me think, hang on, am I, am I doing the right thing here? But both my mum and dad, I mean, my mum says now I don't know if it's out of love or hate, but she says she'd kill me if I ever went back to England. I don't know if that's because I've I've got a good life over here and she's been to Perth and she loves it, or whether she uh, we'd we'd fight like cat and dog if I ended up going back home. But um, I know I know I come from from a loving place, but yeah, we we are very very close knit, and um, yeah, and it's it's unfortunate. Obviously, I've, I have a brother, and uh, I wasn't there for Stephen post that as well, which. There was a number of things that made me consider my time in Perth, that being one of them, being there for the family, and not just jetting back off to Perth. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a timing through this process which was, which was really tough. You Now your life is in Perth.
0: Is this your place for good?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I, I'm, a, I'm a dual citizen now, so I, I, I had my citizenship ceremony Australia Day last year which was fantastic. So, I mean, look, I, uh, this, this is definitely home now. I was fortunate enough just, I mean, obviously borders opened two or three months ago. I've actually been back to England in the last couple of months, and I've seen family and friends, and Perth is a place I'm calling home now, even in conversation when I'm talking about coming back here. was I'm going to go home. I'm home next week, that sort of stuff. So, Perth's definitely, definitely my long-term plan to stay. I mean, look, if I head back to the UK for six or twelve months for whatever reasons I can do that now with dual citizenship but um, yeah this is this is my home now yeah
0: and how many overs has the shoulder got left in it (laughs) not that many (laughs) (laughs) not
1: that many yeah we'll see we'll see I think maybe it's a couple more seasons but I might have to try and turn myself into a batsman. I think that's what happens when you get a bit older anyway isn't it you try and wield the stick a little bit but um, I've been very fortunate very fortunate Chris, thanks
0: for being on the island. It's always great to hear stories of people that have um, made that split decision, not quite a split decision, but a decision that's um, fairly radical, especially moving to the other side of the world. It's great to hear that you've established yourself in WA career wise. As I said, I've um been part of your life a little bit around the uh, cricket club that you play at now and um, you know you're certainly well entrenched and, and well loved at that club so um, it's glad to have you as an Australian part of part of our uh, our crew and uh, good luck in the future
1: thanks mate I appreciate it thanks for having me
2: this way. Every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky, completely alone, no emails or phone,